Welcome to God, Yay or Nay. I'm your host, Noor Kidwai. I'm here to find out how we grow, transform, and become our best selves. How we create meaning in our lives. Come join me on my journey. Welcome to another episode of God, Yay or Nay. I'm your host, Noor Kidwai. Thanks for tuning in. My guest this week is Mark DeBonis. Mark is a hilarious comedian. He just came out with a new album. He'll tell you a little bit about it. I just want to announce that uh, my podcast is now part of Comedy Here Often Podcast Network, which is on 604 Records. Uh, It's a really cool record label that's uh, featuring podcasts that are basically from comedians and other funny people around the country. And uh, yeah, it's uh, really sick and I'm glad to be a part of it. So you can check that out. And uh, yeah, please like and subscribe to the podcast and keep sharing it with like-minded people. But let's get into this week's episode. My guest this week, Mark DeBonis. All right, welcome to another episode of God, Yay or Nay. Today, my guest is Mark DeBonis. Mark, thanks for joining me, my man. Thanks for having me, man. I'm happy to be here via Skype call. <laughs> yeah, buddy. Uh, we're we're going to make the best out of this Skype call. It'll be good. Yeah, one. yeah. <laughs> uh, yo, so Mark, you're a fucking hilarious comedian, originally from Toronto, now in L.A. Um, yeah. Maybe maybe give my audience a little bit of a background of uh, anything else you want to let them know about yourself. Uh, okay, yeah, I've been doing stand-up for almost uh, just a, over 13 years now. Next October will be my 14th year um, from Toronto. I think I actually met you, Noor, when we were out in Calgary because I was probably like one of, I think, I think when I was going out there, a handful of Toronto comics that would come out to the Alberta region. Um, and I met you like, yeah, I don't know, like maybe like eight, 10 years ago now and uh since then i've won a couple a couple stand-up contests uh i won a canadian comedy award for best newcomer this is all in the 10 year ago region and uh you know been working hard got my green card at the best possible time in history and uh living in los angeles right now so everything Uh, more is online (laughs) yeah dude yeah you were one of the first guys to like kind of come out to calgary uh quite a bit um Nah, nah, like of like, the younger no, comics. Yeah, yeah. No, of course. Like a lot of the older ones would definitely be coming out a lot. But uh, you were one of the guys who was like, hey, I'm going to make my uh, make it my like goal to like go out there and like get better yeah. at comedy. And uh, it worked. Uh, like there's a reason why you're still kicking around and like actually making jumps in the business. Um, yo, I do want to like actually kind of like ask you about that because you always did have this uh, unique voice in comedy. Like you always kind of had that... Um, yeah, that kind of part of uh, you that you you sound different than like mm-hmm. pretty much any other comic. And I hope people go and check out your album, which we'll start talking about because uh, <laughs> you have a cool voice uh, in comedy. Uh, I just wanted to let like, I remember when you first started coming out and like me and my buddy Eric used to run a comedy room in Calgary. And uh, I remember yeah. after like you, you would perform, you would come and be like, like so did you guys like it like was that, was that funny like because i remember yeah, you were yeah. just kind of like unsure of yourself um uh yeah but like hey you found like your confidence like uh how how long do you think it took you to like get that unsure of this like new style you are ta- doing and then until you finally just like hey this is me i'm just gonna do it 
The problem is I always wanted to do what I wanted to do and never knew if people liked it or not. And to this day, I'm still like, hey, did you guys like that? Like, you know, to like bookers of shows, like I can't like get off stage even if I do well and just kind of walk like a cowboy to the bar and pretend like everything was the way it was meant to be. You know, like I know that uh, it is hard to. You know, because the thing that the thing that's weird for me specifically that I think is I never even consider myself a quote unquote alternative comic until I left Toronto and started going on the road. I thought what I'm doing is normal. I thought everything was like, this is just a nine to five job. This is normal. But people were like, what the hell are you talking about? Why? Like, and, and then that's what started getting in my head where the farther I would go out of Toronto, the more confused audiences would be. And. I would never know, especially performing around comics. I'm like, you know, comics are so judgy when they don't know another comic. And, you know, and I knew that you guys ran an awesome show and I wanted to do well. And I just don't know if it was like an out of the park home run that I wanted to do. And then I'm always like, hey, I hope that was okay, you know. And it's a weird thing where on stage, I definitely have to have the confidence, but I'm consistently second guessing off stage and i think that's something that does help me grow my act you know because it allows me to see what i think is wrong and how to evolve and adapt hey buddy i agree with that because <clears throat> there is nothing like uh there's nothing wrong with like asking that question and seeing where your blind spots yeah. are and like you're, you're asking it in the way of like i want to get better and i want to do better so uh, and like you said you always stuck to your own like what you think is funny um yeah that's true yeah uh let me like did you ever like is there a joke you could think of where you were just kind of like all right i finally fucking like like i got it like this is like when you got like you wrote a joke and you're like ah yes this is me like i'm like i'm a comedian kind of thing it's really weird because there is a, a joke that I when I describe it to like when I talk with like my friends about comedy, I, I I say that I learned how to like speak English in like the eighth or tenth year because I feel like I was talking some foreign language or gibberish on stage and the audiences were like on board, but not fully on board. And what was happening in my brain would fall apart by the time it got to my mouth. And like, I think like by the eighth or 10th year, I was finally able to verbalize what I was thinking and make it make sense, even if it wasn't funny. The audience is like, okay, we get this. It's just not funny. <laughs> and there was one specific thing and it's a short kind of like one liner ish, not really, but it's like, it's the idea that um, it's like a stupid thing. It's obviously not going to be funny, but it's like, you know, I'm like, I tried to buy a rag recently but it turns out rags are just disrespected cloths and i'm like no matter how much you clean a rag it will never be a cloth again <laughs> and like to me i really like that joke it doesn't really work all the time if uh, like one in ten times but the wording finally makes sense i would not be able to have done that when i first started to word that joke because i it, it's like to be honest, I've had rags in my head for like 10 years. You know, I'm like, like rags would always be popping up in my brain. And then I remember the one day it just came to me and I did it and it worked and then it didn't work and then it worked and it didn't. But I'm like, yeah, finally, I would say the eight to 10 year mark. I, I learned how to like verbalize, I guess, my 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 thoughts. Mm -hmm. Um, That's actually uh, pretty interesting, like how you were saying, like, uh 
the words that were going on in your head, you've been able to actually kind of vocalize that. I think that's kind yeah. of the part of comedy. It's actually any kind of writing process or anything. Like your yeah. head is just like a jumble of thoughts and like shit like that. But like it takes like persistence and like a practice until you can actually like put those things into words and like and then once you get to make it point, make sense yeah make it make sense just true once once you get to the point where you can actually verbalize it and then you're just like you know what that's exactly what i was thinking and i actually exactly said yeah that's a that's a process hey eh, man it's a it is and it's a it's a never-ending process you know because it always will be evolving there'll be new topics new situations you know like it really is part of the reason why i love doing stand-up you know is trying to make a rag funny you know, <laughs> I think you made a rag funny, buddy. <laughs> uh, all right, man. Uh, tell us uh, about your uh, new album you got out here, man. Yeah, so it's called Minutia. Do not ask me how to spell it as we went over uh, pre-recording. It's a word that I do not fully have confidence in spelling. It's a copy and paste word for me. Uh, and uh, essentially, it's a stand-up sketch album. It's the first time that I've done something like this. It's a concept album you know air quoting here concept album it's uh so some of the sketches are based off the stand-up they're not essentially sketches on the joke they're sketches that would take place before or after the joke happened so if you picture a tv show it would be a scene before the main scene you know so it's like if i have a joke about a pizza place right the joke the sketch after would be about the guy in the pizza place talking about me. And that would be a sketch. Oh, okay. That, that's sick. Why, why did he come up with this uh, concept? Well, I wanted to kind of do something different. I wanted to try and do a stand-up sketch thing because, you know, I've always been fascinated with video sketch and it's just impossible to do it, especially during these times. And I'm like, let me try and do some like classic radio audio sketches you know and i know that there's amazing comics in in toronto and in canada who do that and i just kind of was like talking with one of them and then garrett jameson was someone who i'm like good friends with that was in a killer sketch troupe called the boom and they were you know i was just kind of talking with them about how it's possible and i had a, an idea of how to do the sketches and i'm like you know what i have really nothing to lose to try and do this if we record it and it sucks we just don't air it we just do the stand-up and they ended up being pretty good, you know, and we think, and uh, it was funny, and I've got a pretty decent response from people who've heard it, you know, and uh, so there really wasn't a, a reason behind it either. I just I wanted to do it. Yeah, nice, uh, and I like that. Uh, yeah, this is like a different kind of uh, album, and like this is yeah, it's just yeah. Up to with like exactly who you are. Like uh, you always kind of do stuff that's like a little bit different, but that's the reason I think people love you. And like when they start following you, they like the people who do, they keep following you because of this shit. Yeah. Um, how about your? Uh, tell us a little bit about just uh, thing you pitched to Netflix as well, because. Um, yeah, so it was a crazy process, and it was uh, it was a weird process because Netflix did this open pitch for Canadian submissions, and uh, you were able to do, from my understanding, up to two submissions, two different categories. I did a scripted and an unscripted category, and uh, we ended up getting uh, a uh, whatever it's called approved for the first round. So we made it on to round two which was we had a Skype call with uh, some people on Netflix. You know, they obviously were 
telling us how much they loved the idea and whatever, whatever. And we were like blown away that we're talking with Netflix. And then uh, the it ended with um, someone, the guy being like, we're going to go back and forth, send me the, you know, we had to do a pitch deck for a moment by moment pitch deck, which is essentially everything that happens in the show. And we ended up putting together like almost 40 pages and we were under the impression. And I, I don't know, like, I don't want to get ahead of it, but it was like, we definitely thought there was going to be a little bit more of a back and forth happening. And we sent the pitch deck in and then they got back to us. The guy's like, you know, he was really nice about it. He was just like, look, unfortunately, we don't think that this is uh, something that we want to do with Netflix. Uh, but we really like your creative outlook on putting together a show, blah, blah, blah. Like, so he was nice about it. But at the end of the day, uh, they they ended up passing on the idea. But it was just a little, I don't know. We definitely thought there was going to be a back and forth between we got rejected. Like we, like... I wasn't worried about that stage of the process. I thought that if it got to the people up top, then it was possibly going to get rejected. But I thought we were going to at least get to that stage, mm -hmm. you know, not rejected pretty much the first, uh, the, the second round in. But it happened, you know, and try not to get too excited about things anymore, which is a sad way to look at life, but it's hard to uh, consistently <laughs> be let down. <laughs> uh, what was, uh, do you mind telling us a little bit about what the show was uh, you were pitching? It's uh, it's like an unscripted, um, like a game show for, for couples, essentially, is what we'll get into right now. It's like uh, they, it, it was something that, really could have been a Netflix style show. And I think that's why they liked it. But um, I personally think they have similar shows that didn't do well on the back end. And I think it reminded them of some other type of shows. That's, this is all my complete theory. Like I have no clue. They, they, one of the things that they said was they didn't think it was bingeable enough because it was a self-contained show so it was essentially people in a room type of scenario. And um, I think they've had shows that really the, it, they, it would sim be a similar format. And it just proves that it's not bingeable, you know, because people are like, we need to see outside. We need to see environment change. We need to see this and that. So that's my theory on it. Why? Like, why? What do you mean? Not bingeable? Like, what, what was it? What about it wasn't bingeable? Well, they they clearly probably want bingeable content, something that you're going to keep watching, yeah, yeah. you know. So it was like I think there was a show that was that took place in a room, and I think it, it's um, I don't want to get into too much detail on what the show was because I could be completely wrong. This is just me trying to justify my own thoughts to move on with my life, <laughs> you know. But I think that because I tried watching the show that they're that I'm assuming it's that they're comparing it to. And I couldn't get through, you know, two or three episodes. And they clearly want you to watch the oh, whole thing, yeah, essentially, yeah, you know. Yeah. Oh, okay. So that was, that's the million dollar nugget to anybody that's listening there. <laughs> <laughs> well, like, man, you've been in comedy, like you said, 13 years now. Like, so I guess when it, when it comes to, like, dealing with rejection or disappointment and stuff, like, yeah, you know, do you feel pretty, like, uh, hardened now? Like, a uh, hardened warrior? 
I'm something. more suspicious. Yeah, I'm more suspicious if something happens. You know, like if, <laughs> I'm like, what? Like, what is the agenda here? Like, what are you trying to kidnap me? Are you trying to screw me over? Like, why are you all of a sudden wanting to talk to me? Um, it's a sad reality, but yeah, it it really it's hard to not take constant rejection into your normal life. You know, like obviously. I have like a thing. I actually almost started a podcast after the whole Netflix thing based off this concept about the whole finger in the fan scenario. I don't know if you've heard about this where it's like we all want to put our finger in the fan, but the people who do are the crazy ones, you know, and the whole concept I was thinking is like in this business, when is my whole hand in the fan? You know, like when am I? wrist deep into a spinning fan because how much rejection is there that we can take you know like yes getting through the first round of netflix submission and apparently there was 20 10,000 20,000 submissions it was an amazing accomplishment for sure and i'm not turning that down but it still like leads to a higher rejection you know where you're like wow now we're at the top and then you just slam down and it's and it really is kind of a hard thing to keep coming back and and caring when uh you know there really is nothing but hope and hope is a uh, a deadly uh a deadly thing to have <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that sounds like a person who's not exactly too happy at all times but it is um, <laughs> it is a hard thing to get through because it's like it's hard to be with somebody too you know like if you're consistently used to being let down it's like it's hard to look forward to doing things because you're just used to so much rejection and in and, and that's probably why a lot of comics you know in general like to because they always say that oh we like watching you because you can bomb and do well when you're bombing it's just like i feel more comfortable in rejection where it's like it makes sense to me you know, but then when things start going well, like I hate doing shows where the audience is like amazing and every comic is like, oh, you're going to kill it. Those are the shows I bomb because I'm like, it's just too set up, you know? Yeah, you, it doesn't feel like authentic to you or something. No, I just get too much in my head because everyone's like, this is going to be so easy. Like, you know, do you ever play pool like billiards? Yeah, yeah. The hardest shots to me are the straight shots. You got the white ball, the eight ball, and a corner pocket on a direct line. All you got to do is hit that eight ball a little bit, and it's going to go right in the corner pocket. And for me, I start thinking too much, and I'm like, I would rather bank the eight ball and go for a harder shot that looks more impressive if I get it in. But also, it it calms me down that it's more complicated. Because when it's too easy, I get stressed out. I'm like, I, and then I fail. It's like a long-term uh, problem I've had. Yeah, interesting. Do you, have you ever, like, thought about that? Like, put some thought into, like, why you, uh, why it's like that? Is it? I can't give you, like, a, a where it started scenario. But I know that it's something that's, especially in stand-up, been around, you know. And it really started coming to light when other comics like Ron Jossel would talk to me about it. Where they were like... You know, because Ron was one of the first comics to take me on the road. And he started noticing that I would do the best in the worst case scenarios. And then the shows that are set up for success, I would fail at. And I don't understand where that came from, to be honest. But I definitely, like, 
I find like peace in chaos, I guess, where I'm like, okay, it's fucked up anyways. Let's just go with it. Let's just see what's going to happen. And um, I think that's where I, I definitely am more comfortable in a chaotic situation. Mm, yeah, that's interesting. Uh, yeah, like I definitely don't relate to it in comedy because I, I do better in the like shows that are set up for sure. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but like when you said that billiard ball uh, analogy, I actually did relate to that because I sometimes do that too. Um, but it's like when that straight, when you have that straight shot for me, it's kind of like, oh, this is so easy. Like if I screw it up, I'm going to look so stupid. And then you start yeah, overthinking exactly. like that. <laughs> Yeah. And like when there's a hard shot in your head, you're just like, well, if I miss it, it doesn't matter. So then you just calm yourself down and you just bank it in. Exactly. Right? <laughs> and that's exactly how I, I live life is a straight shot. <laughs> <laughs> like this all seems too easy. What the hell is happening here? <laughs> oh, man, that's so sick. Uh, all right, bro. So like uh, how long have you been living in L.A. now? It's been a couple of years. Yeah, you know, I was actually talking with somebody the other day. I'm trying to figure out. We're saying I've, I'm throwing out there. This will be my third year okay. in October, but I don't know if it's my fourth. But I think it's my third. I've been coming to Los Angeles for about five years, five years now, and I got the green card about three years ago. So that's that's kind of like where it's at. So I've been out here, same apartment building, um, you know, pretty much same location, but just yeah trying to do it out here now so what was the process of like uh deciding to like move down here and like uh because you just kind of kept like traveling down here until you eventually went like all right i need to be here you know it's actually weird man uh i always wanted to go to new york that was where i was going i already lived in new york a bit um it made the most sense i had friends in new york uh you know from toronto and all that stuff so it really did make the most sense but I came out here with Ron because he was driving his car out here. And he's like, hey, do you want to drive to L.A.? Never been. And I was like, yeah, let's – are we okay? And I'm like, we've never been. And uh, everything's – let's go. We, we took our time. We went over five days. It was a good time to get down here. And um, I came here, and I swear to God, man, I did probably one three-minute set. Uh, at a show that Ron was on, which was an all Filipino show, and me, and I, and, and I think Dave Merhej was on the show too, and we left LA. I was here for probably twenty minutes, okay, like maybe like a day, but it was not a long time. But something in the air of Los Angeles was like telling me that I needed to come here. I don't know what the hell it was. I didn't have an amazing experience. There was like. I started thinking a lot about when I started stand up, I would trust my gut. You know, I was always following my gut. And then over time, I started learning and thinking I knew what was happening. I started listening to my brain. And my brain was always like, go to New York, go to New York. But my gut all of a sudden was like, maybe you got to go to LA. And it was like the first time since I started stand up, pretty much, where I followed my gut and not my brain. And I, I moved here and it I really believe was the right decision because I can't tell you how the whole process of me coming here was after I got the green card insanely smooth, like to the point where I had my meeting in Montreal for my green card. I ended up getting a college booking the day before. So I ended up getting like paid a good amount of money to go to Montreal 
the next morning I did my meeting for the green card and I drove back to Toronto. Like that's how insane the timing was in everything, you know, and the apartment that I'm in, I found it in Toronto and it ended up being like a legit thing and an amazing building and everything lined up perfectly. And I believe that it's because I made the choice to come to LA and not go to New York. And it was all like following my gut. Yeah, that's sick. Um, yeah, that's interesting, man. Like, uh, the way I kind of look at the world too, and like just kind of life in general, like with me is like, yeah, you got to follow your gut or your body or your instincts. Like though I kind of like group all those kind of words together kind of thing. But yeah. Like, yeah. Like uh, once you start to get out of your head, because your head for me, like your head can kind of be filled with like fears or doubts and like anxiety, yeah. and shit like that, which can drive you down the wrong, uh, um, wrong path but like if your gut sometimes you don't know why it's telling you to do this decision but like you're saying like i actually have this feeling which is directly telling me to do this and like yeah you follow your gut or some people say follow your heart whatever it is but it's like yeah. <laughs> following that feeling that you're actually getting like a legit feeling and um dude i kind of felt the same way like uh when i was gonna i was originally gonna go to england um like yeah i remember that five years ago i can't even remember and i i got my visa out there and i went there and um i spent like six weeks the first time i went down and then went down for another six weeks again and it was all in my head that was kind of telling me like hey go to the uk you wanted to be able to be like an international comic this is the best way to do it blah 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 and then like i don't know yeah it was that that was all in my head but like every time i went there it, it was kind of like my gut feeling like nah this isn't right until like uh i came back and then like my gut was kind of telling me go to toronto and like i did and it ended up being the right decision like yeah yeah man like uh yeah that that is interesting so like yeah you think you like kind of felt that because personally if i look at you i would say new york comic as well yeah and, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So that is pretty impressive that you did like follow your actual instincts and like chose LA. Yeah, I think a lot of it has to do also with like New York just reminds me so much of Toronto. And, um, you know, it's just a big city, whatever, whatever. And Los Angeles was nothing that I thought it was. I like if for me now I watch movies and I'm like, okay, I just didn't realize. But when I came out here, to me, Los Angeles was the beach on the left and 90210 and Saved by the Bell on the right. And I'm like, I don't want this. I don't care about the beach. I don't care about these stupid rich people. You know, I'm like, I want to be in like a city that's like New York. Like, I love the city feel. And coming out to Los Angeles, I'm like, this city is like, it's like grimy, you know? Like, there's like a different vibe to it that's kind of like vampire-ish, you know? Like, there's a there's a... There's a different feeling that I like about Los Angeles that, uh, you know, it has the suburb feeling, but also the city feeling. It's very similar to Toronto in, in that sense, actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's interesting. So, uh, yeah, like once it, like once you said you started kind of making those decisions, like everything just kind of like started happening for you and it kind of like almost happened by itself, eh? Yeah, it just started all falling into place. And obviously I was like waiting for the big crash. I'm like, okay. This is all going too easy. What's going to happen? I was like always looking over my shoulder. I'm like, what's that? Something is going to happen. I'm like, this is moving too smooth. And, um, and yeah, like it was, it's obviously rough. And even like pre COVID, like, you know, I had to really, you got to really take a step back. Like you can't, 
move with an ego of any sort. And I personally don't think I ever really had uh, an ego when it came to certain things in comedy. And like coming here was not a process. I gave myself like three, four years to get into the scene before I even started getting mad, you know, because I know some people who want things to happen overnight because they had good success in Canada and it's not the process, you know, it's just not how it works. No, not at all. And like, I always try to tell people that like, though probably one of the most humbling things you can do is like move to another city. Cause yeah, yeah, they don't like, no one gives a shit and like, you're going to a place like, and it doesn't matter if it's comedy or any industry you're in, you're going to a place where people have already established themselves and uh now you're coming in as as an outsider like it's gonna take time for them to like accept you and i think like a lot of the big anxieties i got out of the way when i did move to new york because i was in new york for a month or two at the beginning and then i was there for almost a year and um i remember one time i was on the train very vividly and i was like looking around the train and at this point i didn't even have any friends there like all my friends were not even in new york at the time like they were either home in toronto or on the road and i legitimately felt like i was by myself in the busiest city in the world and i remember like looking around and i was like if i just drop dead right now no one in all of new york would care like i'm like and it was a terrifying feeling it was like i don't have anyone to call i don't have anybody to be like Hey, this guy's dying on the train. And it was like, I, I don't think there was a point where I ever felt more alone in at any scenario than that, than being on a train in New York, literally not knowing anybody in the whole almost country, you know, because this was like, I guess, like 12 years ago when that happened, I was there to do something. It was pretty crazy. Dude, I felt the exact same kind of feeling when I was in London. It's those like mega cities yeah. that sometimes do that to you, eh? Yeah, like London would be the exact same thing where you're like, what the hell am I supposed to do if anything happens? It's it's hard, you know, the first couple months, even longer for some people, is hard to get adapted. And the first thing I did in LA was I got a job. I was like, you know, I walked into a pizza place and I was just like, hey, man, are you guys hiring? And he's like, do you know how to make pizzas? I'm like, kind of. And then he's like, make me a pizza right now. And I was like, what? (laughs) And then I went behind the counter, you know, washed my hands, go into the thing, made a pizza. And it wasn't like amazing, but it wasn't bad. And then uh, he's like, okay, you need some work, but I just hired somebody. Give me a call next week. We'll see what's going on. And I kept calling every couple of days. And then eventually that guy didn't show up. And then I ended up getting a job and it really grounded me, like in the sense of like, having a job to do you know because it was like what i learned in new york was having a routine of some sort is what keeps you sane you know like i would wake up and i would work out or play basketball or write or run or do something that gave me an objective of the day and having a job you know really did help because now I'm, i'm talking to people i'm with people and then that ended up being something that lasted about two years Mm, no that's uh a hundred percent i think uh, i did the same thing when i moved to toronto i got like and like how you were saying that like almost that like uh like all that stuff kind of starts happening for you when you make those right choices yeah even when i moved to toronto i remember thinking like 
okay, like, I was always worried about, like, getting a job there just because, like, I saved up all my money, and, like, my one of my worries was just, like, I don't want to burn through all this money. You know? Yeah just like going to Toronto and within the first week I literally just met up with a friend and like he got me a job uh just at a comedy show I met up with him and he's like oh I'm leaving so take my job and I was like sick (laughs) (laughs) what uh, else is gonna fall into my lap you know and it was like it was nice it wasn't like it was a decent job but like uh I was just working for like an events company but um it was just one of those things that I was just like, yeah, like you said, you get into that routine when you're in a new place and like, it was good. And like, I, for some reason you, you get re-energized when you go to a new place too. So like, yeah, yeah. Things. I woke up every day, did my work, then go and do comedy at night. Yeah. It's just like, I'm re-energized It's a new place. I'm motivated. So it kind of did all that stuff. Right. Yeah. And the one thing that you said that I think is like so important, you know, like, I have a different outlook on what I think a quote unquote professional comedian is. And whenever people ask me, you know, like what, you know, cause it was, you know, it's always like a weird gray area because, you know, in Canada, I worked in Canada as a comic for eight years. I come to LA and I'm working at a pizza place. So I'm like, how would I can be considered a professional comedian in that sense? You know? And one of the things that I was, uh, that I truly believe, and it's what you said is whenever people ask, I'm just like, learn how to save your money, <laughs> you know, because it really is the most important thing in this business where, you know, it's better to save your money than spend more money at the bar than you're getting paid, you know, and that's what I think a lot of comics do. And then you get stuck in that spiral of doing the same shows, the same mics or whatever, whatever. And because you, me, and a bunch of other people learned how to save and had some money. We were able to expand our minds and our stand-up, you know, and go to another place. Yeah, well, I don't even think that's just comedy, man. Like, I think that's for everyone learn to save your money. I, I forget what book I read, but it was, like, talking about, like, everybody should try to always have, like, uh, six months of, like, uh, money Rent saved up. Like, yeah, something yeah. like that. Like, uh, just, like, so, like if you ever needed to make a switch in life or some sort of thing, you have that money sitting aside. So you just, yeah, it could be an emergency fund. If like, yeah, during COVID, something, every, yeah, everything goes to shit. You have something to fall back on, but it can also be a change your life fund. Like if you finally go like, Hey, no, I, this is something I need to do. And you know, I knew I want to make some changes in my life. I got this cash right here. Right. Yeah, man, think about it. Like to get the green card, the green card alone was about 12,000 Canadian. That's not including living fees coming to a new country. That's not including first and last. That's not including deposits. That's not including getting here. So you're looking at, you know, to to get into the door of your apartment, probably Canadian, at least 25 grand minimum, you know, and that's with like a shitty setup. Like that's just getting in there. Because the biggest problem that people don't realize is going to another country, you could have, you know, top of the line credit, but you don't have any credit in a new country. You're starting from the bottom. And it's like you need to now, because of that, sometimes you have to pay double first and last. Sometimes you have to pay deposits on top of deposits because you're coming in as a new immigrant, essentially. You're coming in with someone who you can't show them your Canadian credit i can't be like hey look i have good credit here they're like we don't care this is a new country you know Mm -hmm. and that's something where you need to have money saved or you're 
you're not going to make it at all across the border, you know, nah. if you're coming here for comedy. Yeah, no, you're right. Um, yo, let's talk a little bit about how your mind works. <laughs> uh, you, you were, uh, you were talking before we started this podcast, you were telling me about, uh, your internal dialogue. Uh, you want to maybe, oh, yeah. uh, yeah, you want to maybe uh, go into that a little bit with, uh, so my audience can understand what you mean. Can you kind of remind me what I was saying? Because I do just say things and I forget sometimes. <laughs> well, like you were kind of talking about uh, how your uh, like your mind can kind of go like you were talking about probabilities and stuff and like how you go. Oh, about, like, yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. 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 Okay. So um, I I like my, the, I don't know. Before I got into stand up, I'll, I'll, I'll actually give it a bit of a, a backstory. Before I got into stand up, I was. I don't want to say an angry person, but uh, what would happen was I was not like out there fighting everybody, but I would really work myself up, you know, in in the sense of like, let's say you bumped into me, right? And it was an accident. My mind would just start running into, and I think a lot of people do this, into like crazy fight scenarios. Yeah. You know, it would run into like, oh, you bumped me, I bumped you, we start yelling, you punch me, I get you in a headlock. And this was what would happen. And then when that happens enough, you start getting like wound up a lot. So one of the first things I tried to like, because I was always conscious of that. And the one thing I tried to do in stand up was turn that scenario into a joke. Okay, so a lot of my jokes are based off of little things that happen. And then instead of my mind running into a fight, I'm like, what could be a joke that can come from this scenario? So I always think situational, like that's just how my brain's always been. And I find out. At the beginning of COVID, I'm just like bored on YouTube. I look into something called probability equations, I think, and probability uh, examples and formats. And I started like, I don't remember the basic formulas now, but essentially what it is, is every possible outcome for a situation. And this is how my my brain would work, but I didn't know that there was formulas for it. So one of the examples I was looking uh, researching was like let's say you have 10 jelly beans in a jar and one of them is green the other ones are blue you could do a problem you could do a mathematical equation to figure out what the percentages of you grabbing that blue jelly bean obviously it's like 10 percent or whatever because it's like an easy number but it starts getting like crazier the, the the more things so with that chart you start like the way i started looking at it was like i started using the probability uh, example in like writing and in life where I was like, okay, let's say you're writing a script. Now you have your main character. What are the possible outcomes that could happen? They live and they die. That's pretty much the first question you ask. Now it's like, okay, if they die, what can come of that? The story ends, not a, not a very exciting example. But then if they live, what happens there? Now they're on a mission. Now what mission are they on? Now it opens up to like a shitload of other possibilities. Now you're like, okay, let's say he's a doctor. What can come from there? Let's say he's a cop. What comes from there? Let's say he's a spy. What can come from there? And this really does just create like a chain reaction of possible probabilities to be like that you could use that I like to use now for like writing where I could really see the best case scenario in my mind for what could come from something but let's say they die that's a boring story but what happens now if someone avenges their death 
that now is another character that you're like creating a probability chart for, for possible outcomes and growing that chart. And then you end up getting this crazy, you know, chart that could really just be like endless, you know? And that's why you got to like, be like, okay, I like this storyline, this storyline and this storyline. And, uh, I found an app that I like to use called mind maps, which is essentially like a whiteboard, but you it's endless. And then you could create, uh, charts, like, like kind of like probability charts from it. And, uh, it's something that I've been, I've been doing, um, and I don't remember like the actual mathematical equations right now, but there are two main examples that are like pretty simple formulas that anyone can do. That's, uh, that's cool. So like, yeah, I can actually see how that's a great writing tool. Like you just kind of like take in a different scenario and then just keep branching it out and it just yeah. goes into a hundred different directions, right? Exactly. And then you see like what, ha- what seems like the most exciting outcome, you know, like you could do it with anything. Like you flip a coin, it lands on heads, it lands on tails. What happens if it lands on the side? What happens if a bird catches it in the air? What happens if a gun shoots it because you're in- involved in a drive-by? Like you can really do all these scenarios and then every one of those scenarios like a butterfly effect will lead to a bunch of other scenarios let's say the gun the 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 coin gets shot in the air now there's a drive-by what can that storyline be oh now this guy who was walking on the street flipping a coin witnessed somebody who was in a drive-by and now those drivers are after him you know like it can be something so stupid but through possible probabilities you could really, it, it is endless and you can come up with any storyline, really. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love that. Uh, that's a great way to, um, like, a great writing exercise and just, like, a great way to generate ideas. I used to do this thing called, um, it's called lateral thinking. This is, like, a different way okay. of uh, creative thinking for the most part. And I used to uh, do this for my writing and tell it, like, now it's just in my head. I just do it, uh, yeah. like, automatically. But uh, it, it's, sure. it's a similar kind of thing. But let, let's say if you have an idea about something and you want to find, trying to find, find different ways or creative ways to use that idea, um, like, a thing that you could do is just, like, do a random kind of thing. You can open up a dictionary, point your finger at the first word you see, and then try to okay. link that word to whatever find, idea. Find, yeah, find common ground. Yeah, and like those are ways you can generate new ideas, and like it can kind of yeah. like it's a good like creative thinking tool. But uh, no, I yeah, like, yeah, I've, I've definitely do that too. Like I think that's just one of those things where it just kind of happens in your head as a comic now, you know? Yeah, like you um, as a comic, I think you have to like uh, eventually get to a point where yeah, that's like an automatic process because mm-hmm. like. Uh, I used to read these uh, books on lateral thinking. There's this guy named Edward de Bono. And, uh, wow, look at that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. He's a fucking, uh, he's a good uh, like writer on like creative thinking. And uh, yeah, like, man, the dude taught me all these like different ways to like, uh, yeah, generate creative ideas and like uh, definitely helped out with the writing, right? And I, and I will say for anyone out there who does probability equations and formulas, I could totally be wrong about how I explained it. <laughs> there is also like, it is pretty confusing, but there is formulas that you could do mathematical. Cause what I think it is, is like, you know, when you see those pictures of like Einstein and he has like 18 chalkboards of like equations, mm-hmm. I think that's probability equations, but it gets obviously crazy as it goes on, like crazier and crazier. But essentially, everything has a formula that you can find out, you know, like, and that's kind of what I was trying to look into. 
Yeah, damn. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I can see you getting uh, fucking hate mail from, like, fucking yeah. quantum physicists and shit. <laughs> yeah, like, the probability this. <laughs> this asshole doesn't know what he's talking about. <laughs> All right, Mark, uh, let me ask you the big question of the podcast. So, uh, Mark, you, bonus. Yeah. There we go. Or nay. Oh, this is what you've been milking me for the whole time. <laughs> uh, you know, it's a weird question. You know, it is a weird question. I do think that there is something out there, like not in X-Files terms, but like, <laughs> I think that, I don't know. Like, I like the idea of believing that, <sighs> okay, I'll give it to you in a, a scenario of a joke I used to do. I used to do a joke, and if I make it seem like it's a joke, it's like it doesn't really connect to me. It's just like a thought I had. Uh, I used to have a joke about the the whole idea of like afterlife and how. And again, I don't know if this joke's funny. I'm just using this because the first example that came to my head. It's like we need to believe that there's afterlife because we're not happy with our own lives, right? They're like there needs to be more, and you're like, how much more does there have to be? Like look at where the hell we're at in the world. Like why can't we just accept this? You know, and to me. I like the idea to believe that something did, you know, someone threw some some water and flour and, and yeast into a bowl and humans were born. But uh, I do also see that just, you know, it just kind of all happened the way it happened. And maybe there isn't a, a higher power. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So... It's. It is a, a never-ending argument. But I've been watching Supernatural, so that, that shows that it is true. <laughs> What's, uh, I haven't seen Supernatural. Oh, it's about the two brothers who are like hunting ghosts and zombies and Lucifer and God. So that, <laughs> that uh, so they say that there's a God. They say, all right, well, hey, man, if they're hunting them and stuff, that sounds pretty badass. <laughs> <laughs> all right, dog, uh, thanks so much for uh, coming on the podcast. Uh, why don't you give my audience, uh, tell them where to get your, po uh, not your podcast, uh, tell them where to get your album and uh, anything else you want to promote, feel free to do it now. Yeah, no, I uh, I definitely am going to say that uh, my album out, is out now. It came out November 20th, Minutia. You can get it on all, most or all streaming platforms. Obviously, you can buy it if you want. If you're uh, a cave person who still buys albums, but you could stream it. It's all on all streaming platforms. And um, yeah, it's called Minutia. There's a lot of awesome comics on there from Canada. Garrett Jameson, Dina Jackson, and uh, you know a couple other people did some spots and like uh yeah if you like it that's awesome spread it out share it you know post it on the wall i don't care get it out there you know but uh yeah and just social media wise it's just mark the bonus for the most part on twitter it's the mark the bonus everything else is mark the bonus nice all right thanks brother uh this was a lot of fun yeah thank you thanks for having me i hope i'm not going to be cursed now because i don't praise god <laughs> No, I think you'll be all right, buddy. <laughs> all right, that was this week's episode. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. I appreciate it. Please subscribe to the podcast. Give it a good rating. It really does help. And also check me out on social media. On Instagram and Twitter, it's at NewerKidY. On Facebook, it's NewerKidY Comedian. I'm constantly putting updates about the podcast. When new ones come out, I put up podcast clips. And, uh, yeah, I also put up comedy stuff, comedy dates, comedy clips, and different stuff like that. So uh, you can come check out, have a laugh, and get keep up to date on the podcast.
Until next time, this is another episode of God Yay or Nay.